Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in and listen. I do appreciate you. As always, feel free to reach out, Jeff, at beekeepingfornewbies.com and feel free to check in with the Discord room. It's uh, Beekeeping for Newbies, that's N-E-W-B-E-E-S.com. So just like you would spell B, beekeepingfornewbies.com. And about halfway down, I think there's a link for the Discord room. we got over 100, about 110 members in there now. Love to have you in there chatting with us, so please feel free to join us there. I kind of recently did a little bit of work and, and discovered that uh, the uh, the Beekeeping for Newbies, N-E-W-B-I-E-S, people are getting a whole lot of free advertising from us. So let's try to take that, take that market share back. But uh, hey, I do want to run a, a quick special thanks to the patrons here, to uh, Mary, Adam, Candice, Susie, Michael, David. Thank you all so very much for all your contributions. It makes a huge difference in uh, allowing us to create quality content and to keep putting things out on a regular basis. Got a couple of announcements here. The first one is by the time I actually uh, release this, I will be home. But right now I'm down here in Tornado Alley here <laughs> trying to uh, trying to avoid the hail and all the mess that's going on down here in the south this evening. So hopefully we won't have any power issues or anything else happen while we're recording today. But I'll definitely be home in a couple of days and uh, looking forward to that. But the announcements that I have. So as part of being a patron, you get your birthday announced. Mary just celebrated her birthday last week. So Mary, happy birthday to you. I am not going to do the Marilyn Monroe version of that, but I do hope you had a great day. Also, last weekend was the Virginia State Beekeepers Association Spring Meeting. This was at Sweetbriar College just outside of Lynchburg, Virginia. And I, I tell you, I've heard of the school. Uh, my, my, actually, my mom had a friend years ago who I guess was on the board down there and found out my mom had a granddaughter and wanted her to go there. And uh, so that was when I first heard of Sweetbriar. But it's an all-girls school down there in uh, kind of south-central Virginia and uh, beautiful campus. I mean, it was really impressive. They had a nice apiary, a vineyard, you know, big fields. It just had a very, very relaxed kind of atmosphere to it. So that was a that was a great venue that the uh, Virginia State Beekeepers Association selected. So really glad we were able to be there for that. Uh, it was super awesome to see Adam, Candice, and Mary, people who are, uh, well, of course, they're patrons, but they're also members of the Discord as well. And they've been following along, and we've had a lot of communication with them over the past, uh, geez, I think a couple years now for some of them. So it was really good to see everybody. And a special congratulations to Adam and Candace. They passed their first uh, first of three beekeeping certifications as apprentices. Uh, on that note, they will now be bossing me around and bullying me because they are certified and I am not. So I guess the pressure's kind of on. We'll have to see if we can get into a, a race to, to the master here. I, I don't know. I uh I kind of gave up on that idea a long time ago because it just seems so academic. But I, I you know, I got to kind of suck it up and and make it happen. So we'll get to work on that, and I'll try and see if I can be a better beekeeper. But on a more serious note, though, I really did uh, enjoy the meeting. It was so great to see so many, you know, smiling faces there and bee people all over the place. And um, you know, I had the opportunity to spend a little time with uh, with Brooke Savage in the apiary. She did a a uh, nice little overview on treatments and treatment methods and kind of some pros and cons of those methods. And uh, it was, you know, anytime you can get into the apiary, it's always a good time. So it was really good to to see all the, the hives they had there and uh, just chat with everybody and just, well, I can't say enough good things about it. It was really fun. 
All right, it's time to get down to business. So, you know, it's a it's a challenging thing when you're trying to pick out the types of bees that you want to keep in your apiary. I think that when I was first starting out, the information I had was relatively generic. You know, it was, well, go find some bees somewhere and order them and they'll ship them to your house or go pick them up. But nobody really kind of dove into a lot of the pros and cons of the different types of bees that you can actually keep as a, you know, a hobbyist or commercial either way. So I think probably the simplest way to tackle this is to just start by acknowledging, you know, there are over 20,000 species of honeybees in the world. Uh, In an effort to get to a two hour podcast, I'm going to read all 20,000 of them. So we'll just start running down the list right now and uh, and we'll get started here. Uh, If you don't want to hear the whole list, just fast forward the podcast to the 12 minute and 40 second point. And that's where I'll be done with the list. No, I'm not going to do that to you guys. Let me stop you before somebody actually fast forwards. I'm not going to read all 20,000 of them there. But when you think about, you know, the, the and I'm not an, a biological expert here, but you got, you know, your, your kingdom, phyla, species, all those other categories. I know somebody's going to be making fun of me right now for saying that. But the bees that are kind of most common that we see here, like in North America and the U.S., where, where a lot of us are keeping bees, is the western honeybee. So, you know, the western honeybee has then like a subspecies from there where you start to see some of the other ones that are more common, like the Italians and, uh, you know, the Russians and some others. But like I said, you know, nobody really ever sits down and kind of has the discussion, or at least they didn't for me. I, that might be a better way to say it. Like maybe if you're in a bee club or you actually have a mentor who's, who's really helpful and they're doing their due diligence with you, maybe they sit down and kind of walk through them. For me, the biggest driver for the, the choice of honeybee that I ended up going with, which is, you know, is Italians, that's what I've pretty much done exclusively for the most part, was because that was what was available I mean, Italians, they, there were multiple apiaries and you know, people out there selling packaged bees that were Italians. They were easy to get a hold of. They were pretty competitively priced. So that's kind of the route that I went. So I think it would probably make the most sense instead of thinking about you know, the kind of bees you might like to keep. It might be a better idea to think about or maybe research you know, uh, the, the types of bees that are successful and that thrive in your area. So as an example, you know, I might want to keep Russian bees, but maybe living in like Naples, Florida wouldn't be the best for them since they're known to be, you know, a bit of a hardier bee who tolerates the cold really well. Now, you know, that doesn't mean you can't successfully keep them in a differing climate, you know, from what they're, they're typically accustomed to or what you might typically find them in. But as a new beekeeper, you know, in my opinion, one of the most important things you should be attempting to do uh, well, in all things, you know, beekeeping really is just play the odds, right? You know, think of it like a blackjack player, right? If the dealer is showing a five or a six and you have cards totaling 11, this might be a good chance to double down, right? You know, if you get one single card, it's a face card, you have 21, but if it's a seven, eight, or a nine, that's not bad either, right? So you're, you're just trying to play the odds in your favor. You know, so why, you know, why would you want to play like a low probability hand, you know, and, and get something that really doesn't do well in your area? And this is, again, where talking to other other beekeepers and people in the bee club, you know, they'll tell you what they have. Now, what I'm finding, you know, in the dialogue that I have with a lot of people and the discussions I'm having, there is a lot more diversity of bee types than I really thought. I mean, I just thought that kind of everybody was down to like one or two different types and that most people were just keeping, you know, one, one subspecies of bee, like they're doing you know, maybe just Italians or maybe Italians and something else. I'm seeing a lot of people that are having three, four, five different types within the apiary. And I think that in, that introduces some kind of really interesting things. I mean, it, there maybe are some genetic challenges with that when you have so many different types of you know, genes within that pool. 
and trying to figure out which ones are, are the best and the most productive for the objectives and the things that you have and the types of bees. You know, going back to like the traits that we talk about or the characteristics of those bees that we want to have when we think about the ability to overwinter, honey production, temperament, hygiene, all those other things. You know, it's, I think it's a little bit more difficult maybe to fine tune that when you have so many different types of, of bees. But I, if I could do it, I absolutely would. If I were in a position right now where I could have five or six different types, I would do it just to be able to see how they behave, how they interact with each other, what's different one across the other. Uh, if you have the ability and the resources and the land, or even if you know people in other places where, where they might be five, seven miles away and you can move bees from one place to another and see how they interact and breed in those other places versus being within your apiary, again, like... All kinds of cool stuff you can do, but I'm running off on a tangent here. So how do you figure out, you know, which ones are going to be the right ones for you, right? So I'll bring that back to, you know, what I discussed earlier here, talking about, you know, those five traits, right? Let's kind of focus in. So you got your ability to overwinter, right? This is a big deal. We talk about hygiene. Hygiene is a big, you know, component around the reduction of illness. It's a big component around Varroa, right? There, are, There's the whole thing with Varroa of the you know, being varroa-sensitive kind of hygiene or varroa-resistant. I mean, that's a whole kind of discussion in and of itself. But talking about your tendency to swarm, your temperate temperament, your honey production. Um, you know, from here, I think you can even go into other categories based on your geography and maybe talk about tolerance to heat or cold or other things. So as we kind of go through this list of, you know, some of the more common subspecies of bees, you'll notice that that some of them have some really great characteristics in some areas uh, where they might score, as an example, like a 5 on a scale of 1 to 5, but then in another area they would score a 1, right? I mean, I can say no matter how many 5s a B type would have or is advertised to have, if they're a 1 in their ability to overwinter, you know, they're, they're not coming into my apiary, right? That still, for me, is always number 1, unless there's some sort of a breeding plan in place to somehow selectively breed for certain characteristics and and not have to have them die every winter, which, you know, that by itself really brings up, and I've been having a lot of these Varroa discussions lately, and, you know, it goes back to, I think, early in my beekeeping years, one of the biggest problems I was having was overwintering with a lot of my packaged bees, and, you know, I was I just kept thinking, well, it's just they're, they're just not making it. The genetics are bad. But then you start realizing, well, yeah, I mean, no, I didn't treat for Varroa. I mean, that was not going to happen. It's the whole that's not going to happen to me kind of syndrome, right? I wasn't treating a couple of them early on, and I didn't realize just how serious it was. I didn't understand as a new beekeeper that when you, you have bees that have Varroa, it's not necessarily the mite that's killing them. It's all the viruses and all the other things that they carry along with them that, you know, that weakens the bees and makes them more susceptible to illness and makes them not able to be themselves and to be as productive. So anyway, once again, here I am uh, again in Tangentville. But that hygiene is, you know, like a big deal. Anyway, so quick note here as I go through this list, like I mentioned, you know, I've, I've really only kept Italians. I did have a situation where the bee club was offering, some, I guess, somebody who was a Saskatraz uh, breeder had, had offered to you know, sell some to the bee club. And I think they were about $35 a piece. I ordered two. I had just, I think I had just hit like 50 hives at this point in my beekeeping journey. And I had two, I bought two Saskatraz queens and I went ahead and I requeened one colony. And I'm trying to remember this, if I got this right here. So 
I think there was a swarm, and I went ahead and requeened them at that point in time. And, you know, you have that kind of difference sometimes between a, like a virgin queen, a mated queen that's in a cage and has been there for a while, and then a laying queen that you just took off of a comb, right, you know, right out of a colony. That queen, when she is not actively laying for, you know, six, eight, ten hours, whatever it might be, you know, basically a full day, that level of pheromone in her body is going to actually start to reduce a little bit until she's actively laying again, which brings us back to why we've talked about those, you know, pushing cages sometimes for queen introduction. Well, I take this Saskatraz queen out, and I'm like, hey, let's let's go ahead and get her in this hive. I'll just direct release her because that's going to be a really good idea. So I put her on the top of the frame right around, like, frames five and six, drop her on there, and they balled her before I could get my hands on her to kind of save her. So that was $35 that, you know, down the drain pretty quick. The second one, I, uh, I did get that into a, um, a colony as well. I did a split. I put the split into a two-frame nuke, put the queen in there. Everything was going great. She had a beautiful brood pattern. I was really excited. I don't know exactly what happened. I kind of turned my back on them for a couple of weeks. And being that they were in a two-frame nuke, they swarmed really quick, and she left me. So those are my two, my only experience really with those two Saskatraz queens right there. So I can't even speak to how good, bad, or, or indifferent that they might be. But anyway, my target, I think, is maybe somewhere by like the spring of 25. You know, I, I expect personally to have probably four to five different types of honeybees in my apiary, but not any sooner than that unless there's any some kind of an act of God. Okay, so everything that I'm about to pass along here with regard to the types of bees is on information and data provided by someone else. Uh, I am keeping track of the links and the resources that I've used to, to find this information. So if anyone wants more information, you can drop me uh, a note on AOL Instant Messenger or ICQ. You can send a self-addressed stamped envelope, uh, whatever you want to do, and I'll just mail it to you. Whatever is easier for you guys. Um, no, just, just, you know, jump into the discord or shoot me an email, Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. I'm going to post it in the discord so everybody there can see the resources as well. Uh, just, you know, full transparency because of the fact that I'm not an expert in every type of bee, you know, I just went out and did the research to hopefully save you all some time so you don't have to do it. And I can kind of take that burden off of you. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Okay, so number one on the list, uh, famous for being both sassy and originally from Alcatraz, we have the Saskatraz. But in all seriousness, this is from a project started in 2005. So when they were first uh, started out the, the project with the Saskatraz uh, species, subspecies, they were decimated by Varroa in two years. Uh, they then brought, the, uh, brought in some Russian and German bees, which is, which is where the Saskatraz that of today that we now know was born. So I would strongly encourage anyone who wants to learn more about these to go to saskatraz.com. So I'll, I'll spell it phonetically for you. It's Sierra Alpha Sierra Kilo Alpha Tango Romeo Alpha Zulu.com. There's a wealth of information there with regard to the various genetics and you know the way that they're breeding them and what they're offering mated queens and 
and uh, just generally very informative. So they're a very hygienic bee. They are varroa resistant, and they're very resistant to brood diseases. Uh, very strong in their ability to overwinter, even down to you know sub-zero temperatures, and uh, excellent honey producers. So these are very near the top of my personal list for when I um, really start ramping things back up again, you know, at, at a date to be determined later on. Okay, I would say number two, um, you know, one of my favorites, and it's not my favorites because of my vast knowledge and experience on them, but it's my, uh, uh, well, I used to watch a lot of those videos from University of Guelph and Paul Kelly up there in Canada. I want to say Ontario. I apologize if there's anybody up there who I, I mislabeled you and you're not on Ontarian, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's Ontario, but it's the, the, uh, the Buckfast Bee. So these are originally from Buckfast Abbey in the UK. They were raised by Brother Adam. There is a good book. I think it's called like you know Beekeeping by Brother Adam or something like that. I, I actually posted the name of that book recently. That was a fun book, you know, learning about what Brother Adam did there. And, you know, the Buckfast Bee, it's, it's alive and well, very prominent in a lot of places, you know, up in you know, New England, up there around, uh, I think, Nova Scotia and, and Ontario. And I, I think that whole area in the Northeast is is pretty prominent, as well as, of course, you know, over in the, in the UK. But they're known for being very gentle. Uh, they're resistant to tracheomites, low tendency to swarm, uh, very efficient use of winter stores, and excellent honey producers. So definitely go check out. You can just, just do a Google search or, you know, DuckDuckGo or whatever your browser of choice is, and just search for University of Guelph. This would be uh, Gulf Uniform Echo Lima Papa Hotel. And and Paul Kelly on YouTube, Paul Kelly is the guy. I don't know what his official job title is there at the university. He puts out a ton of content. I know a lot of people who uh, have been to Hive Life. You know, they, they had a chance to see him speak at Hive Life last year. So I think that he's a tremendous resource and puts out so many great videos. I've learned a lot from him myself. Definitely a good use of your time with, with any of the content that he puts out. So I'm really, really hoping someday to get some of, some of them in my apiary. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, the next one on the list here, fan favorite for many here in the U.S. is going to be Italian Bee. So, you know, from my experience with them, I'd say, you know, they're, they're mostly on the gentle side, although I've had a few, you know, ornery colonies over the years, which is to be expected. Most of my issues that I've had with Italians were really just kind of rookie mistakes, things that I did wrong or mistakes I made early. It's poor management, 100%, you know, my fault, I think. The challenges I've had with my Italians were things like not feeding. You know, whenever I start a package bee, I've talked about this a million times, I love to feed the package bees just because you drop them, in a, you know, drop them from the package into the hive, and then you get two or three days of rain or some bad weather or some cold weather, a little cold uh you know, cold spell sets in, and then they're in there starving, basically. It's a really, really vulnerable time for them. You know, they've been under a tremendous amount of stress being shipped to your house, and now they've got no food because you took that little jar of sugar syrup or a little can of sugar syrup that came with them. You've taken that out, and they have nothing, right? So that's just it's just small things like that. But outside of that, they've overwintered pretty well, and when I'm treating them and I'm taking good care of them, I'm not having any issues with them. I still have a few of them around right now, and uh, no problem at all. No complaints. They're producing honey very well. They're still s trying to swarm every spring. I, would, I wouldn't I would say that they have a greater tendency to swarm. Pretty average, I guess I would say. But, you know, it, it all kind of comes down to your management. If you're aggressive about getting, you know, getting those uh, honey supers on early, 
You know, and that, really that kind of goes for just about any bee. People always say like, oh, well, I don't like these bees. They swarm on me all the time. Well, if they run out of space, that's kind of what they do. So just kind of try to manage that as best you can. But they can usually find a way to uh, sneak a swarm in on me here if you're not paying attention. Um, but the genetics that, that I currently have are strong, and uh, they just keep killing it year after year. They're really, really low maintenance right now which is why I want to get in there. I wish I was about two months back. Like I wish it was like the first week of April right about now because I would really, really like to graft off of some of these colonies that I have and and crank out about 100 queen cells. But uh, we're a little late late in the game for that right now. But they've been pretty good to me overall, but you know, now that I have a decent handle on, on managing them. But I, I'm definitely ready to uh, to branch out and try some new types here. So the, no, the next one on the list is... Uh, here in the U.S. is the uh, the Carniolan. So they're known for being uh, big honey producers, higher tendency to swarm because of that, you know, rapid honey production. They're considered one of the calmest species of bees or subspecies of bees, uh, considered to be uh, gentle, you know, non-aggressive, fairly tolerant of their, you know, their beekeepers. They uh, definitely have the ability to defend the hive against, you know, many insects and pests. They are resistant to some parasites and diseases that may, uh, you know, debilitate or, or uh, cause challenges for other subspecies of bees. They can be kept in populated areas. You know, there's a lot of folks who like to do, you know, urban beekeeping. Um, and if you haven't checked out that episode, feel free to go back to uh, the Bees in the D episode there. I haven't checked in with Brian in a long time up there, but I hope he's doing well. But they, they're doing some pretty, pretty cool and exciting things up there in the... Uh, in the bee community with community with a lot of urban beekeeping. Anyway, they experience less drift between hives uh, because they, they have a greater sense of orientation, which I think is pretty neat. Like I wonder how you know like how much testing that you do and how you test the bees' ability to orient. You know, and that, I feel like that would be kind of a fun, I don't know, PhD kind of project or something like that. They do uh, have a tendency to kind of gather nectar on cooler and overcast days where, you know, other, other bees may, may stay in the hive and wait for weather conditions to improve. And uh, they'll also, you know, forage a little later in the evening and a little earlier in the morning compared to, uh, to many other species of bee. Okay, so I make a lot of jokes about these bees, you know, maybe sometimes in the Discord. I think somebody in the Discord actually has some in her apiary. That's actually, that's kind of the reason why I wasn't going to bring it up, but since we're talking about it, that's actually the reason that she's on the international no-fly list because, uh, you know, once she told us that she keeps rushing honeybees. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, no, they, they display some excellent hygienic behavior, and uh, they do help deal with pests pretty well. They're, they're much better at handling varroa uh, than, you know, than a lot of other honeybees are. It's actually been found that they are more than twice as resistant to them overall and are, are much more aggressive towards a mite infestation. Uh, interestingly, they have uh, the ability to know which mites are female in capped brood cells, and they will uncap them. It not only removes the active mites, but it also works to keep the population down over time with fewer females who can kind of contribute to the, you know, the reproductive efforts of the mites. So they're very aggressive towards hive beetles. They are uh, less prone to American fowl brood. Definitely a high tendency to swarm. They do well in colder climates, but unfortunately, they are a bit more aggressive. So you will have to sacrifice that that gentleness 
in order to get all those other great things that I just listed above. But if you happen to jump into the Discord, uh, look up Root, R-O-O-T. She's got some Russians. She can kind of share her experience with them. I know she's had some challenges with swarming and some of their aggressive behavior. And uh, I think there might be even a couple other folks who have some Russians in there as well. So jump into the Discord and ask a few questions. Now, number six here. Oh, you know, I have... So I'm not going to mention this one. I had a joke that I was going to say, and I recognize that a lot of stuff that I think is funny is not stuff that everyone else thinks is funny. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but the the next bee is um, is the uh, the Caucasian honeybee. Now, this is kind of where it gets a little bit fun here. Now, follow along here with me at home. Here is a quote from the University of Delaware. Caucasian bees are sometimes described as the gentlest of all honeybees. They are dark-colored to black with grayish bands on the abdomen. Okay. Now, from homesteading.com. Overall, however, we wouldn't recommend the Apis mellifera caucasica? Caucasica? Caucasica, maybe? To beginners. Firstly, they are prone to infections. You'd have to check up on them at least once a month to ensure they aren't showing signs and symptoms of any disease. Secondly, they are quite aggressive. Even with a bee smoker, it would take a few minutes for these bees to settle down, especially if they get riled up and threatened. Lastly, they are relatively slow in building their colony. Only an experienced beekeeper would be able to stimulate procreation and honey production. So in case you happen to miss it, I'm just going to recap the highlights here. Caucasians, this is from University of Delaware, Caucasian bees are sometimes described as the gentlest of all. And then homesteading.com. Secondly, they are quite aggressive. So uh, clearly we have some contradictions in information here, but I'll continue on. So Caucasians are inclined to drifting and robbing, but not excessive swarming. The colonies normally do not reach full strength before midsummer, and they conserve their honey stores somewhat better than the Italians do. They also forage at somewhat lower temperatures and under less favorable climactic conditions than do the Italian bees and are reported to show some resistance to European foul brood. Caucasians are available, but not common. Recommended for experienced beekeepers, can be a bit more aggressive and prone to infections, can also be slow to build up their colonies. So I think to summarize on that one for the Caucasians, they're aggressive and very gentle. They create a lot of propolis and have some tendency toward infection and low honey production. From the pictures that I saw, they they, they look very cool, but uh, I don't think they're going to be the right ones for me. So I'm going to recommend to you all, you may want to consider something else here as like a first-time beekeeper or newbie, you know, in your rookie or maybe second season, it might be best to, to look at something else. Well, everyone, I, I know this was a, you know, a very high-level you know, for the different types of bees we discussed today, but hopefully you found it to be useful, you know, as you consider what types of bees and genetics that you want to bring into the apiary, uh, you know, try to find out what others are doing in your area, and, you know, equally as important, you know, what have they tried that did not work well, and, and of course, what is working well, and, you know, and outside of that, you know, I, I believe you should really focus on, on bee types that do well in your region. Start looking towards the traits that matter to you, you know, individually as a beekeeper, like honey production, tendency to swarm, temperament, hygiene. Like for me right now, honey production really isn't my priority. And because I would prefer to be doing instruction and teaching and helping people, you know, with some hands-on things, temperament's really important to me. You know, hygiene is important to me. 
I'm not as worried about the tendency to swarm or honey production. I can kind of manage those. But, you know, the, uh, the hygiene is critically important when it comes to varroa and other disease and illness and, of course, temperament. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, thank you very, very much again for taking the time out of your day to listen. And, you know, as always, just feel free to drop me an email, Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. And, uh, you know, like I said, join us on the Discord. It's just Beekeeping for Newbies, N E W B E E S dot com. And there's a link right there to the Discord server, is on that page. And I am not sure off the top of my head what the next episode is going to be. I've got notes going on for probably four or five different episodes. Um, I'm working right now to try and see if I can uh, hire someone here who might be more of like a podcast production person who can help me organize things a little bit. Because as you can probably tell from anything that I put out, there's a lot of chaos involved in that. So hopefully uh, hopefully I can get them on board and, and get them to uh, commit to doing a little bit there to, to get some order to my chaos but in the meantime we'll just have to keep plugging along and i look forward to talking to everybody in the discord and uh you know we'll uh we'll talk to you soon take care be kind to one another and uh don't do anything i would do talk to you soon take care When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.